If you have your Bibles this morning, we're open to John 15. We're going to be there this morning. Her name is Deborah Ricketts. If you ever go to the movies, you'll see her handiwork, though you'll never see her. She's not listed in the credits, but she gets credit for a lot of what you see in the movies. She is an independent researcher for the film industry. So for anyone that wants their movie to be truly authentic, to be accurate, the facts to be reliable, all you do is you send your script and a sizable check to this former librarian. And before you know it, you're watching this factual explosion take place. See, if you're creating a movie, a film that's set in the 1930s, you need everything to look like the 1930s. You can't have someone singing a song that wasn't written yet or reading a newspaper that hadn't been published yet. But mistakes like that, they happen all the time. If you've ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, there's a scene where Indiana Jones is reading a flight map that takes him over Thailand. The problem is the movie was set in 1936 and Thailand was called Siam until 1939. See, Deborah Ricketts lives to find those mistakes. In Die Hard 2, Bruce Willis uses a payphone from what is supposed to be the dullest airport in D.C. Only Deborah noticed that the phone booth was Pacific Bell, which wasn't around at the time. See, Deborah Ricketts has a full-time job and makes a great living at doing one thing, separating the fake from the real. So we're in this series, I I Matter, and we've been discovering this truth that if you want lasting security, if you want true significance, it's only going to be found one place, in Jesus. And that's important because those are the two greatest things that people are searching for in their life, significance and security. See, God wants our lives to count. He wants us to live a life of significance. And we've been discovering that as we look at these I am sayings of Jesus. Several times in the Gospel of John, Jesus made a statement about who he was. And they're not found anywhere else in Scripture. And in the last of these I am sayings, he gives us this statement. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. See, most likely the scholars think Jesus had just left the upper room. He just had the last supper with his disciples and he was heading to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he makes the statement. And it would have been easy to understand what he was talking about to all of his disciples. Because in Palestine... Vines grew abundantly. And when those vines are properly cultivated and kept and taken care of, they produce these sweet grapes, which in turn is used to make wine. So it's very important for the gardener to keep the branches trimmed in order for them to produce a lot of fruit. Jesus is really concerned with branches that bear fruit. He says it over and over, actually, here in John 15. Verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. Verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
If a man remains in me and I in him, he will have much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So as we study this passage, I want you to keep three things in mind to understand what all this means. God is the gardener, Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. God is the gardener, Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. And the gardener only has one concern for the branch. He wants the branch to bear fruit. And he wants the branch to bear as much fruit as it can. I mean, that's the purpose of the branch, is to bear fruit. By itself, it has no value. You know, I, I love eating grapes, but grape branches, they're not very tasty. See, the fact is, apart from bearing fruit, a branch can't justify its existence. So what the gardener desires for the branch is what God desires for you and me. He wants us to live a life that is real, authentic, significant, and fulfills its purpose. And what makes life authentic and real is the fruit that it bears. Right, just like the branch can only bear fruit if it's connected to the vine, significance, security only come when we are connected to Jesus. And there's no better illustration than the truth that we find from what Jesus tells us here in this scripture. Your life is most significant, is most fruitful, is most productive when you first relate to Christ inwardly. I mean, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, Jesus is talking to you here. For some of you, maybe you're not a follower of Christ or you have family or friends that are not followers of Christ. Listen to this. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, Jesus spoke these words to his disciples. But what he said here was actually for the benefit of those who were not his disciples. Because he gives us one of the best definitions of a Christian that we'll read. Because the word Christian really has become one of the most misunderstood terms in our culture. Because according to what Jesus tells us, a Christian is someone who is joined to Christ, like the branch to the vine. Being a Christian is about having the right connection. I mean, think about it. How many times have you heard people say that if you want to get ahead in life, you want to get accepted, you want to get promoted, you want to get hired, it's all about knowing the right person. It's all about having the right connection. Right? You have, the right, you have to have the right connections to get ahead. When it comes to bearing fruit, to living a life of significance, nothing can be more accurate. Because bearing fruit is all about who you know. It's about being properly connected to Jesus. See, what Jesus said here may be one of the most unique emphasis among other religions in the world. No other religion offers its followers this personal union, this connection with this founder. Right? Buddhists don't claim to be joined to Buddha. Confucianists don't claim to be joined to Confucius. Muslims don't claim to be joined to Muhammad. But a follower of Christ, we are joined to Jesus. 
We are connected like a branch to a vine. I think it's why so many people get the church confused with Christianity. So many people today have, uh, have an organizational or institutional attachment to Jesus. They belong to this church. They belong to this group. They attend this Bible study. They're a part of this religious organization. But they're not connected to Jesus. They're not the branch attached to the vine. One pastor went down to, to Florida for a college visit, and he said all over the campus you would see this Spanish moss, and it was hanging on the oak trees. It would even cling like glue to the tree. But you could go up to any of those trees and with no effort at all, pluck the moss right off the tree. Even though it's hanging on the tree, it's not organically attached to the tree. See, Jesus had Spanish moss clinging to him. It was Judas. Right? He had 12 disciples, and 11 were these genuine branches that had a personal relationship with him. But the Bible shows that Judas was this Spanish moss hanging around Jesus, but never developing that personal relationship with him. And see, you can have an outward attachment to a church. Right? You can be baptized there. You can be a member there. You can attend there. But that doesn't make you a branch that bears fruit. And that in of itself, without Jesus, never gives you significance. That's why Jesus said in verse 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, there are a lot of things we can do without Jesus, right? We can earn a living without Jesus. We can raise a family without Jesus. We can do good for other people without Jesus. We can even attend church and be religious without Jesus. But what we cannot do is bear spiritual fruit of a Christ-like life without Jesus. A life that will have an eternal impact that will give us the significance we are looking for. Remember, even though the branch bears fruit, it doesn't produce the fruit. So the first step for you and me to be fruitful in our lives, to have an eternal impact, to be significant, is to make sure that we have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Then, once you're connected, then you reproduce Christ outwardly. Listen to what he says in verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That you that Jesus is talking about here, it's those of us that have been connected to the vine. We are his branches. We are his followers. And God's number one concern for us is the same concern a gardener has for his vine. He wants us to be fruitful. More than anything, God is concerned about your fruitfulness. And what is that fruit that he talks about? Well, we know that fruit reflects the character of the tree of the vine it's connected to, right? I mean, you go to an apple tree, you expect to find apples. You go to a pear tree, you expect to find pears. You go to a grapevine, you expect to find grapes. A Christ follower, who by definition someone, is someone who is joined to Christ through a personal relationship with him, we are going to produce Christ 
likeness. So what does that mean? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And he says it looks like this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's what God wants in us. He wants the fruit from the Spirit, a life that reflects the character of Jesus. And when you read this list of the fruits of the Spirit and you, you look at the life of Jesus, you, you, you see they're one and the same. Remember, the gardener's number one concern for the branch is not just that it bears fruit, but the most fruit it possibly can. His job really is to maximize production. So you'll notice there's a progression in the matter of bearing fruit. I mean, first, Jesus talks about a branch that does not bear any fruit. And then he talks about a branch that bears fruit and was pruned. Verse 2, he said he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so it will be more fruitful. And then in verse 5, he moves about to a branch that bears much fruit. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me, he will bear much fruit fruit and in verse 16 he talks about the branch that bears fruit that will last he says i chose you and appointed you to go bear fruit fruit that will last god wants for each and every one of us to live a life of significance but really it's a life of increasing significance and he does that the same way a gardener does it to the vine, by pruning it. Right? Verse 2. He cuts off every branch that bears no fruit, and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. Oftentimes, branches will have growing on them what they call sucker shoots. And these are tiny little shoots that appear exactly where the vine and the branch intersect. And they begin to suck the sap from the vine. The sap that should be going to the branch. But they suck it away. And if the sucker shoots are not pruned and cut away, the branch will become malnourished and it won't bear fruit. So the gardener takes his shears and his scissors and very gently but firmly cuts away things that take sap away from the branch impeding its ability to do what it was designed to do, to bear fruit. See, God has his shears. I mean, we, we call them circumstances in life. And oftentimes, God uses these circumstances to cut away the sucker shoots from our life so that we can be more closely attached to the vine and bear more fruit. Sometimes, Jesus uses the scissors of Scripture he said in verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. See, as you read God's word, he'll begin to convict you of things that you've been doing that you shouldn't be doing. Or he'll begin to challenge you to begin to do things that you haven't been doing. What God is doing is he's cutting away the bad so it doesn't get in the way of good. And then he'll go and he'll cut deeper and he'll cut out the good so it doesn't get in the way of the best. But you know the fact that 
Pruning is painful, right? Pruning is cutting. Pruning hurts. Whenever the gardener is pruning the branch, he does it because he considers the branch important and he wants to maximize its significance. So the fact that that God is at work in my life, at work in your life, that he's pruning, it tells me that, that I matter, that you matter. I mean, some people get the idea that when troubles hit and trials and the heartaches and difficulties, it's a sign that, that God doesn't care. But I believe there are signs that God truly does care. God is the master gardener, and he never allows anything to come into your life that he hasn't designed to be used as a means of making you maximally significant, giving you the opportunity to bear the most fruit. And that's what James tells us. James 1 verse 2. He says, brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. Remember, the hand of the gardener is never closer to the branch than when he's pruning the vine. During those times that God is cutting away, he's letting me know that I matter. Just like a gardener wants the branch to be fruitful, God wants the same thing of us. So finally, we need to remain in Christ continuously. You know, there's only one command given in this entire passage of Scripture. It's in verse 4, and it says this, Remain in me. That word remain can be translated abide or continue. And it means we are to continuously make Jesus the center of our thoughts and the focus of our life. You can't force a branch to bear fruit. You can't command the branch to bear fruit. That's why nowhere do you find Jesus telling us, go out and bear fruit. No, this is what he said. Verse 4, remain in me. Verse 4, remain in the vine. Verse 5, he who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. Verse 7, remain in me. Verse 9, remain in my love. Verse 10, remain in my love. You, you get the picture? You can't make fruit. You can't manufacture fruit. You can't manipulate fruit. You only bear fruit. And the way you bear fruit is by staying connected to the vine. And being real like that is not something you can fake on the outside. It's something that has to flow from the inside. All the branch has to do to be fruitful is stay connected. All we have to do to have significance in our lives, to be significant in the lives of others, is stay connected to Jesus. When I was growing up, I got to spend a lot of time at my grandparents' house. And the one thing that I knew would always be there was a jug of iced tea. I mean, my grandparents, they drank tea all day long. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, in between, well into the evening, almost to bed. And a lot of times, I would help my grandma make a new jug of tea. And it was pretty simple. It started by filling the jug with water and putting in the tea bags. See, there's a good lesson we can learn from tea bags. When you put a tea bag in the water 
as it remains in the water, the water begins to take on the color and the taste of the tea. And the longer that the bag remains in the water, the darker the color, the stronger the taste of the tea. That's what happens when we remain in Christ. We begin to take on the color of his character. We begin to take on the flavor of his life. To remain in him. And the way you remain in Christ is, is you spend time each day with him. You take the tea bag of your life and you soak it in the waters of his word. You let him talk to you as you read and study the Bible. You spend more time with him, talking to him in prayer. And on a daily basis, you get real with him, which allows you to then be real with others. And then he can bear the fruit of his life through you. So this morning, as we close, my question is, are you connected to Christ? Or do you need to be this morning? If that's your desire to surrender your life to him, I, I invite you to come.